This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemon Stepro. It will not stop snowing. It's now snowing harder. Please help. I'm scared. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit of a shorter one, just because there's not a ton to talk about. Football is gearing up to go through the awakening. Uh, I have a scholarship chart dropping. It might have already dropped by the time this episode is uploaded. Yeah, there's not really a ton of stuff going on in, in the other sports right now. So it's really just basketball. I think people are not exactly thrilled with how things went on Tuesday, whether it's with the reps, whether it's with Wake Forest themselves, with some double birds. I'm gonna, the only thing I'm going to say on the refs is I think it's kind of just comical that we are able to have people working, you know, what is it, eight games in eight days and like what 13 games in 16 days all across the United States. I think that is for process. Uh, it doesn't mean, you know, they took, I don't think they took the game from Wake Forest. I don't think that at all. It's a, I, it is understandable that they have not been great at their jobs, whether it's diffusing situations or just kind of within the plays when they're sitting here working every single day for like two weeks. That's, that's a problem that should be looked into because, they do impact games. That's it's not a bad thing to say. They impact games because they do. You know, I don't think it's an unrealistic expectation for them for you to have you know a larger workforce of better people to say, hey, so Jeffrey Anderson doesn't have to sit here and work, you know, a billion a billion games in a row. Like, I think he's a very good ref. I don't think he, he didn't have a great night on Tuesday. You know, I think there needs to be some sort of change there to be able to say. And maybe some accountability parts as well, but just a change to be able to say, hey, let's not have these guys working so much that way you know, the, the mistakes don't happen. Because a lot of what happened on Tuesday, you know, in general, like I don't think Ben Melbrooks should have been thrown out. Well, yeah, I don't think he should have got a tech. Hunter shouldn't have gotten two techs. You know, there are a lot of some there the foul calls were just kind of all over the place for both teams. You know, I it was just it was a poorly officiated game just across the board. So is what it is. 
Wake Forest still melted down, though. You know, that, that's not something you can put pin on the refs. That's that's you you melted down. You you kind of pissed down your leg. What a chance to take home a road victory in the ACC, which are precious. That's a problem. And I'm going to get into the team aspect for a bit, but I want to start more on the bracketology side of things. So, you know, I've seen a lot of the sentiment that, you know, that was the, that's going to be a game that keeps Wake Forest out of the NCAA tournament. And, you know, now I saw one person that was like, now nah, they need to win at Duke, one of at Duke at Carolina to make the tournament. They're, you know, it, all that kind of stuff. No. And it's not so much that I think I'm an expert in this. The last couple of days I've spent, some time talking to the people who are making me think brackets. I don't have the time of the day to become an expert in this type of stuff. I can only see, I can only see what they put out. So it's the best thing. Next best thing besides become an expert myself talking to the experts. And so one thing that I kind of picked up from them is that if you look at this team, it's really easy to compare them to the 2021-2022 team. When you look at that 2021 team, that team is that team had a major issue. And that major issue was the fact that they did not have Q1 wins. They ended up with one, and that was at Virginia Tech. They had the wins that what people you know are kind of lamenting over whether it's, you know, the Boston College, not Boston College, but the Florida State game and the North Carolina State game. You look back at the 2021-22 season, you know, they have a a road win at Virginia, which I think at the time we all thought was going to be a solid team and a solid win that's maybe even a Q1 that, that gets them in there. They have a Q2 at home against UNC. They have a Q2 on the road against Florida State, on the, a Q3 on the road against NC State. Q2 um, at home versus Notre Dame. And, you know, the thing that people want, kept wanting to say about that season was that the loss for Boston College was what kept you out of there. And from both the bracket side of things and also from the NCAA themselves, and they've told Steve Forbes this, who has said that said it on the record multiple times, it wasn't that loss at Boston College. It was the win at Duke. I mean, excuse me, it wasn't it was the win at Duke. It was the fact that you did not win that game at Duke. You lost at 74-76. If you win that game, that is a quad 1A win. Like That is not just a Q1 win that's like, cool, we just get a Q1 win. That is a statement. Like This is one of the biggest things that any people, anybody will anybody have on this season. That is a pretty solid win. You have that. And that's something a lot of people on that bubble cannot say. You have all the stuff of the Q2 wins. You, you got to beat te- teams that are in the tournament. And that was something that that team didn't do. You look through who that team beat and it was Notre Dame who was what the like they were the last team in they beat UNC at home which was was fine and their only other win against the tournament team that year was Virginia Tech and I don't know how much you can really call them a team in the field because it took them having the greatest week in their history to win the ACC title you know it took it took them going some monumental stuff going through the ACC tournament to win that that auto bid and so that was that problem for that team and I think that's pretty analogous to this team and where I think you feel a little bit better and a little bit worse obviously I think you feel a little bit better because when you look at it like you know you're in a similar position but I think you have a better team 
it's worse. It feels worse because it feels like one of those things of we've been through this scenario before. You need to have some solid wins. So you look through what Wake Forest has done this year in terms of their wins, and you know I think Florida gets there. Florida is one that I think Wake Forest really, really, really would love to be able to 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 get up in into a not just a, a Q1 because I don't think they'll be able to get to a Q1, but I think that's one where they haven't been able to get, get over the hump. They're three one Q1, but they're zero and five. Excuse me, they're three one Q2, but they're zero and five in Q1. You know. They had Kentucky right where they wanted them. And I think if they get that Kentucky win, you start feeling really good about them getting in. You know, they got the crap kicked out of them by Ole Miss and Tennessee. But, you know, I think they have some some things to work on, things to work through. They have Missouri on Saturday. Then they play uh, Mississippi State. And then they play Georgia, and which I think is absolutely hysterical because they host Georgia. And for Georgia, that's a Q1, <laughs> that's a Q1 game because it's at Florida. But for Florida, it's a it's a Q three, and Georgia's what seventy eighth or something in the in the net. Um, let me look at that. Yeah, Georgia's seventy eighth in the net. So even if they move up three spots, that's still a that's that's still not, not that's still a Q two for them. That's how baffling that stuff is. And I think that's I don't like I, it's not the net. I don't like sometimes the quadrants are just a mess. But I digress. You know, Florida is at least in the tournament conversation. They're they're right there. I, you know, I, I kind of look at that and I, and I think uh, Lenardi has them as a, we'll probably have them as an next four, four out. I think a couple other people have them around that same sort of way. They're, I think firmly in that next four out or right, or like I think that next like considered. So they're at least in the tournament conversation and you feel better about that, about that win. They can play their way onto them pretty easily. It doesn't take a monumental feat for them to get there. Rutgers sucks. I mean, they they, they just they, they just haven't been good. They they really just just have not been a good team. Um, you know, I, I hope they can turn it around, but they have not they have not exactly looked superb. Um, you have Virginia Tech, who you know, but. Yeah, I don't want to say for some reason because Virginia Tech does have uh, they have a win over oh, Iowa State, a, a nine point win there. You know that's that's kind of solid. You know all their wins are only in Q Q one and Q two, so they're one of four in Q one, two and three in Q two. You know South Carolina by two points. If they have, if they had won that South Carolina game, I think they'd be right on the bubble. But you know, they have a win against against Iowa State, and I think that's massive and. You look at them, and I, they're probably in that same idea of like they're not the. I don't even think they're next. Rather, they're considered, but they're at least someone like, hey, be cognizant of Virginia Tech. They're at least around the bubble. So them and NC State are probably are probably around the same right now. Miami, Jesus Christ, Miami. <laughs> that team fell has fallen apart. I don't know what is going on. I do kind. I do kind of know what's going on they're missing jordan miller and isaiah wong they're missing two people that played extremely hard and you know i i think a lot of the guys just don't have the motor on that team that was necessary to sustain that level of play i think they can still turn it around schedule for the next couple of games is able for them to turn it around they've got to do it that, that's got to be on them 
Miami is one that is there in the considered. I, I'd put them and Virginia Tech and Boston College, not Boston College, them, Virginia Tech, and NC State in that same sort of considered area. Same with Virginia as well. I'd put them in that considered. They're not the next four out. They're probably, you know, they're they're on the cut, they're on the cusp of being on the cusp. <laughs> so I put Virginia there too. They're in that sort of bubble of like, okay, you know, we can we can we can work with this, you know, we'll let's see let's see what else they can do in a, in a couple of weeks. You still kind you still kind of have that problem, but also that's and that's also why I'm like, I don't think those win those losses are that bad because you've beaten similar teams to them right now when it comes to the tournament conversation. Florida's the kind of your standout right now. But Virginia Tech, Miami, and Virginia are essentially the same level of win for you as Florida State and NC State. You winning those games, either of those games or both of those games, I think you're you you win both those games, you're still I mean in the tournament. If you look around everywhere, Wake Forest is probably the bubble, I would say. They're usually on the lower half of the last four in, upper half of the last of first four out. Those those wins are kind of all the same right now. So like that's that's where I'm like, you aren't going to get moved up for beating those people because you're, that doesn't it doesn't make your resume stand out. Like everyone has a bunch of wins, but nothing about those wins necessarily does anything to your resume. Even if you had those wins, you still and I'm thinking about the path to tournament. Someone asked me about that too, uh, yesterday. I think you're looking at the path to tournament and from even entering. ACC play before you even played, you even tipped off against Virginia Tech. The path was always going to be at least from the home side. You were probably good. You were like, probably, I mean, I think they were as close to must have as possible. Duke and Clemson were the two games that you're like, I got to have those. I got to come in there. I got to protect home court. I got to beat two of the top, two of the better teams in the ACC. Got to beat them. And then it's like, well, you know, I can't really lose against Georgia Tech at home. That's a Q3, if not a Q4, depending on how they play the rest of the year. Can't lose that game. Pitt right now is a Q3. Can't really lose that game. State, I you could, and I think you, I think nothing would really change about you. You could lose it. You know, it would be very annoying, but yeah, like it's it's fine. Syracuse is a Q3 right now. I, I don't think you can really afford to lose that, even if they move up or down. Like they're just not in the tournament conversation. Definitely can't afford to lose a little. I think it's gonna be a tougher task. And I'll talk about them in a little bit. But that was one you just couldn't really lose. And then you know, like, and you've already banked a ton of wins at home again against Virginia Tech and Virginia and Miami. So nothing about the path really changed there because the teams themselves didn't change. Your order of the schedule didn't change either. The only thing that's really sucked is that Clemson's kind of been on the slide, and that was you know originally a Q1 game. It might be by the time you get down, get there. Who knows? But nothing about what you had to do at home changed. What you have to do on the road doesn't really change either. Winning at North Carolina was always going to be a monumental. Yeah, we we're going to have a, a extremely solid game, like it, like resume booster win that. You were always going to be like at least double digit dogs. But it was one of those of like, it would have been a very nice, you know, notch on your belt. Pit game, you're going to be, you're going to be a dog in that game more than likely. I'm just going to, just going to warn you right now. We'll revisit it 
I I do not be shocked if that game is like pit minus one or pick them. Road games are hard. I know pit looks bad. Now it might it might end up flipping because pit the rest of the season, not the rest of the season, but pit the next few games might go through some shit. They get they have to go to Duke on on Saturday. They go to Georgia Tech, who has been scrappy, then go to Miami before Wake Forest comes to Pittsburgh. You know, that maybe that flips by the time, especially because, you know, if Wake can come out of Louisville with, you know, a solid enough win and then not get the doors blown off them by UNC. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to write them off. I think you know, Wake and UNC match up pretty well against each other. I think it should be a fun game. But again, I'm recognizing the fact that it's a, going to be a double-digit spread and was going to be like that regardless. But Wake Forest gets eight days off in between that. And so and I think that's really, I'm really hopeful. You know, Damari is able to, to, that's kind of where I've circled, you know, that Pitt and Syracuse sort of stuff. I, that that Pitt to Georgia Tech window is kind of where I'm like, I feel like that might be the perfect time for Damari to come back because you have that sort of eight days off to do, to to really rest the rest of people up. You know, see where you're at with Damari if the, if the test didn't go well and, the other day, I don't have any update on that. You know as much as I do right now. So that that you ha- you pretty much have to win that game. You were never going to get out of losing to Georgia Tech. I know it's a Q two right now, but that one was just perception wise wasn't going to go well. Especially if they drop down to a Q three, they're only one seventeenth in the net. You know that's not that far away from Q three in the slightest. At Virginia and at Virginia Tech were two that I was like, I think you'd split. I think winning both would be fantastic. I think both would be very, very, very good notches in the belt. But I think you, gotta win, you would always have to know, hey, I need to win at least one of those. And then you weren't ever really going to get away from losing, from beating Notre Dame. So that's that's why I've kind of been so kind of nonchalant. It's not just trying to be, you know, rah, rah, like, oh my God, everything's great at Wake Forest, et cetera. It's more of just, Nothing about your path changed here. Like it, it really didn't. Like you still would have been a bubble team had you won those two games. Because honestly, the bubble kind of it doesn't stink, but a bubble just doesn't have a lot of standouts on it right now. Everyone's kind of, everyone's got some sort of blemishes. Everyone's got some sort of just. I've got something that is that is really holding them back right now. For Wake Forest right now, it's the Q one wins. They don't really have a ton. Haven't had a ton of opportunities with that, and you know. It, that sucks, and the schedule doesn't help out with that in the slightest. But you gotta play the games as they are. So, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So, whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. 
Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Moving this over to you know, Louisville, I mean, plain and simple, it's just a game you can't lose. Like, I, I, there's there's can't win, there's there's must wins and can't lose. And this is a, you cannot lose this game. And I think it's going to be something that is really, it's going to be a tougher game than expected. You know, Ken Palm has this as a 16-point Wake Forest, as 16-point Wake Forest favorites. They've played better. Louisville has played a lot better. You know, they took a win off at Miami, and, you know, road games aren't easy. Miami is in a downturn. I understand that. But they have a road win against Miami like that. You know, they they won. They played NC State really, really, really hard. And honestly, at some point, I'm like, they might have should have won that game. They played UNC pretty tight before UNC kind of at the end of the game really pulled away. You know, this isn't something that if you're a Wake Forest, you can sit here and say, we can just come in here and, you know, they'll, they'll roll over like they did last year. This isn't that. You've got to, you've got to take it from them. You've got to be able to, this is one that you're just like, and I, and I've said it before. This one, you, you beat them. It's a 16 point spread. You beat them by 20 or so. 24 if you if you're able to do that and you are i think and you're basically right back to where you were i think you are right where you were going into the week with both from the net perspective and from the bracket perspective you beat them by you know 20 plus you'll be right back to essentially everyone having you right right in the tournament cool and that's where i was like this this was never so much a moving day a moving two weeks for the tournament this was more a, mo- a more of a moving two weeks for the top 25 which you know what whatever you missed that. You missed that boat. Fine. This was never going to be a two weeks that you were like, okay, this is where you submit you being determined. Now you're going to play for a seven seed or a six seed. That, that you, do, you don't really have that many unless you like kind of not one out, but one a ton. You were never really going to be in the hunt for. I, I think right now, especially with just how the ACC is, per, is perceived, unless you go out there and you know beat both UNC and Duke on the road. I, I, I've never really seen a path to you being, you know, higher than maybe a, a nine seed. I think, I think that's probably where that probably caps out at, which is, you know, it is what it is. You know, baby steps. You're I'm not here to sit here and say, Oh, you didn't make the tournament last year. Now I'm expecting you to be, you know, a four seed or a five seed. And, you know, you got to make the 16. Look, look, man, you guys haven't been in the tournament since I was a junior <laughs> and you were in the first four at that point. Get get back to the tournament, man. That's that's what I care about. Get back to the tournament. The turnovers have been a little bit of of an of an issue, but and you know they weren't really an issue before the last ten days. I they I it, it feels like a hot take, but I don't. I really don't think it is at this point. This team needs Chow more than they need Boop. I'm mean, more than they need uh, Tamari. I said this on the last podcast. Boopy missed last year. Like he played four games, whatever. Boopy missed essentially all of last year. And 
it's a it doesn't just hurt you strength wise, but you don't have a chance to know what you can and can't do. So now this year, Boopy is learning on the fly. And I'm going to also, before I get further into it, say, I think Boopy is going to be an extraordinarily good player. I don't, he wanted, he won AC player of the week for a reason. I think Boopy is going, is and going to be very, very good. That being said, I don't think you can discount how much it is to just miss a year when you don't have a chance to know what, your mistakes are. And now you're doing it on a team where you also don't have to do it all. You go back and and look at those Central Michigan teams, and it was really funny. I was talking to someone, and they pulled up that actually Gonzaga and Central Michigan played with the uh, played each other in 2021, where both Boopy and Hunter were on the team. Oscar Lopez, Brian Taylor, Harrison Henderson, Andre Polk. Andre Polk isn't real. Ralph Basanth, Cameron Healy, Jermaine Jackson. Like, these are people that, that Boopy was playing with, but none of these people are good, man. So now you're going from a situation where you feel like you have to do everything yourself. The situation now where you have Cam and you have uh, Hunter and you have Efton and you have Andrew Carr and you have Parker. And I'm not saying that I don't think he doesn't trust his teammates, but it's it's a hard thing to break yourself out of when you had to spend a year and then you're mentally spending the last year saying, I got to do all this crap by myself. And you've got, we've kind of seen that more as, you know, the teams have gotten better and people have tried to speed them up is, you know, Boopy's kind of dribbled himself into some, some garbage. Like, the coaches can't really dribble for Boopy. Boopy, you got to figure that out yourself, man. You got to figure out, Hey, like, you know, I can give the ball up. That's fine. Cool. But I think the more, the more, it wasn't just so much the, the, you know, him getting trapped that, that really set up light bolt with me. It, the play that he's kind of going up for looks like looks like a jump, jumper around the free throw line, and then he sees someone in the corner. I can't remember who it was, but he sees someone in the corner. He was like, "Oh crap!" Like that's actually a much better play for me right now. But it kind of comes too late because he was kind of being so headstrong and like, "I just need to make the play myself." That he ends up coming down for an up and down. It's it's, it's turnover, and now you know that it could have been a two point play, it could have been a three point play, and instead now it's a turnover the other way. It should not be lost on anyone that NC State was the second time this year that Boopy has gotten benched, which is really funny for an ACC player, the player will be a former one, that they've gotten benched twice this year. Again, it doesn't mean that Boopy's bad or anything. It means more so I think Forbes understands that Boopy has a ways to go. If you recall back to you know, the summer, when he when you're looking through the fact you're looking through the fact like why Forbes always does his you know these are the people that are that are doing well in that top list of everybody you know Boopy wasn't in that list <laughs> like and I think that's a uh, that that's a that's something that is that is really intriguing to me. Like Jal was in the list of players. And I wish I had pulled up the actual tweet from, from when he gave up the list of people, but you know, Jal was in that, that upper tier list of like, Hey, these are the people that really st- stood out. And I mean, it makes sense because he was someone that, you know, at first during the summer, Jal was, you know, People were unsure about about Jao. Um, 
And I mean, that's, that's very fair. I mean, he's coming off of an injury when we saw him last year, when he was trying to rehab from said injury, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty just like in the slightest. And so, but you look through it and you're like, okay, like this, I, I now start piecing together what's, what's being said. And it's like, you know, Giles having the most impressive, uh, summer in the weight room and you look her hear about Forbes saying hey like boopies like been like some of the most what do you call it has been some of the most improved players like from the scrimmage until when was that December maybe early January it wasn't saying boopy had been bad in practice but you know there were some some growing pains with with a guy like boopy and I think having a guy like Jow that way you're not that way you're able to spell him and it's not so much he's getting worn down it's more of he's still trying to work through the mistakes because he didn't have that year to make those mistakes so now you have Jao coming back and i think Jao will play probably 12 to 15 or so minutes on saturday now you have Jao back and i think that might help Boopy more than people think not from a you know he needs to get a breather sense but it might just help the team in general just be like hey look man you we we got we need you to make the right plays like we trust you we love you but we've got to make you a we, we've got to have you playing the right way and so if we, we can call all the plays we want if you're not helping us same sort of thing with cam who looks like a guy right now that it's just pushing a lot like he was on a like tear before the last few games and the last two games he's just looked like a guy who's pushing a lot more i don't know if you know, I don't want to speculate and say like the Damari thing has anything to do with it. Like his minutes are going down and something like that, but he's trying to prove like, it feels like he's trying to prove like he belongs and I need you to play Cam. I need you to play in the offense. I need you to be able to do that. Like, and the adjustment stuff, like I think there's some stuff that I think Steve Forbes could do when, you know, everyone has take on whatever the head coach can do. Like they always do. You know, I don't, I think the adjustments have been fine for the most part. I didn't really I was fine with the. I'm fine with the process. I was fine with the process of why they sat Carr and Reed at the same time, and I'm not going to re- relitigate that. Process was fine. It just didn't work. Oh well. One of the things that kind of raises my eyebrow is the fact that you know there's been kind of a couple games in a row where they've said you know, Hunter and Parker and the Bigs haven't really gotten as many touches as he would prefer. He's like we're not finding them enough. That's where I'm like okay how much have you been trying to run just, you know, how much of this has been you trying to stay in sort of free flowing offense? How much of it is like, look, we need to get a very designed play for Hunter or for Parker to get them open. It's maybe some elevator stuff and, you know, get them some shots. You know, that's where I go, you know, how much of that is not being called and how much of that is not, you know, the players not executing because, you know, I had to to Connor O'Neill if we were talking about this, but you could see it on the broadcast and, there are so many times, not so many, but there's enough times where you can see them calling a play from Jason Shea and Matthew Marsh just isn't like, just, just isn't cognizant of what's going on here. That's like, that's a problem. Like that's a, like, that's a problem. Like he's either not cognizant or just too slow to get, to get to where he needs to go. Like they're calling a play and, you know, Cam just kind of you know, bull, ru- bull rushes his way into the, into the, the lane or Boopy just makes kind of the wrong decision there. Like that's, that's what I mean. And more like it makes you look worse as a coach because, you know, the players aren't listening to you, but it's also like, they can't go out there and run the plays for you. Like you have to be able to 
you have to be able to run the plays. And I, you know, that's why I'm really interested to see what Jal does. Because if Jal's the person they, you know, they thought they had over the summer, then this this team gets kicked up a notch. And it's the same sort of story that we talked about when Afton was out. And I sat here and said, look, Wake Forest is missing three out of our top seven or eight players in Efton, Damari, and Jal. They got Efton back and they went on a run. I don't, I don't really expect them to go on another nine game winning streak with Jow back in the mix, but this is what I'm, this is what I mean. Like I, I think Parker's minutes aren't going to really deviate that much, maybe a little bit, but having your guys and being able to pull them when they're not playing well is something they're able to, it's, it's a good thing. You can't just throw out Aaron Clark out there. I think he did well, you know, in his minutes, but you also got to remember those minutes came against what Delaware state, like that's, I, I can't trust what you did against Delaware State, against Virginia Tech, or against UNC, or against Florida State. You know, Marquis Marion, I, I think he's going to be a very good player, but like, I, I I think there it's a lot. He's they're a lot better off at that position now because Efton's there, and that allows Marion to kind of be more of a spot guy. His minutes probably go away when Damari comes back. Keller, you know, his minutes probably kind of fluctuate a little bit as well. But, you know, having Jow back allows you to say, hey, Boopy, you're not playing well today. I can sit you down. And there's been a couple of times, I think also in the Boston College game, uh, where, you know, Boopy ended up playing well um, in that game in terms of, like, scoring-wise. Uh, he had, what, 17-1-7. But it felt like he was a little bit just, like, kind of, uh, like, yeah, he got in foul trouble a bit. Didn't love that at all. And so I think being able to spell him spell cam and say hey like you guys can sit down for a second and collect yourself is going to benefit this team a lot more and i think you're able to do that when you have your better players you can't just sit there and try to steal minutes with players who aren't ready to play that's how you that's how you're like i mean they tried to do it with marsh and a nine-point lead got cut down real quick while they were trying to steal minutes for car uh in Epton. You know, I think the same thing would happen if they try to steal minutes for Hunter Salas and throwing an Aaron Clark there. And that's that's tough. So you're getting your guys back. I think with Jow back, it makes this team better if Jow is, and I think Jow wouldn't be playing this soon if he was not ready to go. But I'm interested to see, you know, what that Jow looks like. I think this is an important game. Like I said last time, every game is important from here on out, you know, you can't really punt every, any games, but the, the most important game is the next one on your schedule. When you win that, everything looks looks at least somewhat better. It's just in different magnitudes. Some of it's only incremental. Some of it's exponential. So thank you guys so much for listening. Always have a lot of fun doing these. Hopefully I don't get snowed in for the next four days. And as always, good eeks.